0: Was listening to, to Brother Hagen this morning. He was just talking about some stories as Brother Hagen does, uh, and I got to thinking about this verse. And um, uh, this is an area that uh, I think if the church could could understand this, it would it would help a lot, both on uh, on our side for uh, when you're ministering to somebody, but also on the other side if you're being ministered to. Uh, and so Jesus, of course, here at the end of Mark chapter 16. Uh, he is given what we call the Great Commission, and he says in verse fifteen, he said, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature uh, and so uh, so who should go into all the world? Well, really, everybody has the opportunity right This is not just for ministers amen uh, now, going into all the world could include your backyard, right your neighbor, uh, but if the Lord wants you to travel, then you should travel right um, and um, uh, and so uh, so that's that 's uh, the commission that he gave to us. And he that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, are we the believing ones? Uh, then our expectation as believing ones, we should expect these things, amen? These signs should follow them that believe. So are there people in a church who don't believe? There's plenty of people in church who don't believe. So are they, will they expect to see any signs? They shouldn't expect to see any signs because the signs only follow them that believe, Amen. So if, if uh, you got saved, and that's great. You did take faith to get saved, but you not, may not believe in healing or casting out devils or speaking with new tongues. Uh, and, and well, I've never seen this happen in my life, you know, well, that's because you're not believing, right? They only follow those who believe, amen? They don't follow, uh, you know, the people that are in the church who don't believe these things. They look behind them, and there's nothing following them, right? There's just they're just crickets back there. Uh, and so these signs shall follow them and believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of devils that still need to be cast out in the world. Uh, they, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Uh, and the part that uh, just went on my heart today is on the last part, that they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Uh, and uh, this, one of the greatest blessings that the Lord has given to the church is for us to have the capacity and ability to lay hands on the sick, and our expectation, our faith and belief is that they recover. Uh, the thing that we need to understand is these are all supernatural signs and wonders, amen? Uh, so we serve a supernatural God. We don't serve a natural God. We're not in the Moose Lodge or, or the JC's where we're, we are the supernatural church of the Lord Jesus. Uh, so when we lay hands on a sick, and this is the part that, that I really want to emphasize today, when we lay hands on a sick, the thing that you've got to first of all acknowledge is When you are born again, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, right? The Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that that came upon Jesus, now dwells in you. And and Brother Hagin coined a term about when you lay hands on sick. He said it uh, it occurs by the law of contact and transmission. So when you lay hands on a sick, what happens is the the eternal life of God, the, the Spirit of God in you is called the eternal life, everlasting life. That eternal life in you is transferred to that person. Uh, by the laying on of hands now you may feel it you may not feel it but that's what happens right so that's why you lay hands on a sick is to transfer that life in you the the zoe life the everlasting life of god in you into their physical body to affect a healing and a cure Uh, and so uh, as the one doing the the laying on of hands you need to you need to uh, uh, be aware of that that when i lay hands on somebody that that i'm going to transfer that life of God in me. So it's not voodoo, it's not magic, it's not, you know, uh, anything weird, it's just simply the life in you, the, the eternal life in you, the spirit of God in you is being transferred into their physical body to affect uh, the healing in their body. Uh, and so, so you need to have faith in that as, as, the one, as the believer laying hands on the sick, you need to have faith that when, Lord, when I lay hands on them, your power, uh, even if I don't sense it, is going to go from me into them. Your life that's in me is going to be transferred into their physical body. Uh, and, and that's important to know that, right? That's important for you to have faith in that, right? These signs should follow them that believe. So you need to believe that when you do that, not hope it, not well, let's see what happens. You need to believe that. And I do. When I, when I lay hands on people, I, my expectation is the power of God in me goes to them. So that's half the deal, right? But the other half of the deal is if you're on the receiving side, then you need to have faith in that as well. That that person as a child of God, has the spirit of God in them. And when they lay hands on me, that the power in them the eternal life in them, the everlasting life in them is going to be transferred from them into my physical body to affect a healing and a cure. Now, if you don't have that expectation, uh, these signs should follow them to believe. Well, then, then you're not going to have any more uh, results than somebody who doesn't believe at all, right? So so on the receiving end, you need to have faith that, Lord, when they lay hands on me, the power that's in them. Uh, uh, and, you know, sometimes there's a special anointing that the Lord gives to us, according to 1 Corinthians 12, but every Christian has that everlasting life in them right now. Uh, and so your faith as a receiving person needs to be, Lord, when they lay hands on me, the power of God in them is getting transferred into my physical body to affect a healing and a cure. Uh, and now, if you don't have that expectation, then a lot of times nothing happens, right? And I've laid hands on a lot of people, and, you know, and Brother Hagen talked about some people who laid hands on me. So like laying hands on a doorknob, you know, they have no expectation to receive anything. And so nothing happens, you know you can sense sometimes nothing i mean just just nothing right just just like laying hands on a, on a stump uh, and then you you get people who are aware of that okay that they know and understand that uh, and expect that when, when hands are laid on them see that 's faith right their expectation is when hands are laid on me, life is going to be transferred into my physical body to to cause a healing to occur uh, to occur uh, and so it 's a two way street right uh, and so uh, and really. Uh, it, it's hard e- even if the person that's doing the laying hands on if they're a christian you know their level of faith is, is really not even as important as your level of faith on the receiving side because you can pull that life out of them if your faith is when they lay hands on me that life of life of god is you know that they may not even have much faith at all and you could still get healed and that's that's actually happened before you know, in in the great scheme of things because your faith is in the power of god amen your faith should never be in the person laying hands you oh yeah they've got it well well, we've all got it, right? We've all got the, the Spirit of God in us, amen? Now, I understand there's special anointings that, that can manifest there, and, and, and it can be a spectacular event that occurs. Uh, but much of the laying on of hands is uh, the result of just simple faith, faith on the, on the, on the person laying hands and, and faith on the person receiving uh, the prayer. And many times nothing is felt. You know, there's no sparks, you know. Uh, it's, sometimes it can happen, and that's fine if it does. Uh, but it's not necessary. It's not, it's not evidence that something occurred if you feel something. Uh, if you have faith that it occurs, then it occurs. Amen? Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, uh, uh, if you're laying hands on folks, then always be aware that the Spirit of God in you is going to be transferred to that person. The, and the way I, I like to say it is the eternal life because that's what it is, right? Eternal And life always dispels death. When all sickness is, is death begun. That's the way uh, Dr. Yeoman said all sickness is death begun uh, and so life always dispels death so that the spirit of god in you that eternal life in you will dispel the death of that sickness uh, and cause it to be removed out of their life uh, and then but you on the receiving side too you need to have that expectation as soon as hands laid on me that life is going to go into my body it's going to affect a healing and a cure and i will be well and, and again you don't have to feel anything right uh, if you feel something that's great uh, if but if you don't feel anything, that's not evidence that nothing happened. Uh, faith is the only evidence, right? That's what Hebrews 11.1 one says, right? Faith is the uh, – uh, now, faith is, is, uh, is the substance <laughs> – yeah, faith is substance – but, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's what it is right there, right? So, uh, so faith is the evidence, right? Uh, and so, it's not the feeling is the evidence, So, uh, does that help? Hopefully that helps. I know we've probably covered that many times over the years, uh, but sometimes it's good to just simplify it and make it real real basic there. Um, And so, uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Father, while we're here on this earth, we worship you by faith, knowing that you reside in the realm of the Spirit. Father, someday we, we will get to stand before you with the elders and saints of God and worship you with the angels thousands and thousands of angels from billions and billions of angels and saints of God that have gone before us we will all bow our knee and thank you for your goodness and mercy thank you for your kindness and generosity but father we will choose to do that here on this earth by faith for you are a worthy father you are a holy father we thank you for these things, Lord. Thank you, We thank you. thank you. Thank you. Father, you instructed us in your word to be holy even as you are holy, Father. It is something that we can do, Father. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you, Father. We adore you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. Father, we give thank you all you, praise you. and honor for these things. We thank you for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the word holiness, and of course we talked a little bit uh, on occasion about that, but oftentimes when the church hears the word holy, they think absence of sin, and that is not the definition of holiness because there's a lot of people who don't really do anything wrong, but uh, at least on the outward side. Uh, The absence of sin is not holiness because then your whole focus is on sin and measuring sin. Amen. Uh, The word holy, uh, it uh, uh, and you have to kind of study it out because some some words, they don't really know a great definition. They just they give attributes of the word, but they don't really define what the word is. And really to be holy means to be like none other. Uh, And that is the Lord. He is like none other. Uh, and, uh, and so our job is to be like him, be like none other. Uh, and you know, I was thinking about that in the song. You know, the Lord is unique in the, whole, every, in the whole universe, right? In the whole of creation, he's unique. Uh, and so we should strive to be like him as the, as the word of God reveals to us what he is like, then we should strive to be like that because there's no one else like that, right? God is love. There's no one that can love like the Lord loves. Uh, and so we strive to be like him and if we, if we are achieve that, then we are holy like he is holy. Now, if we do that, then as a, as a side benefit, we are not sinning. But the focus is not on measuring your sin or lack of sin. The focus is on being like him. And the fruit of that, then, is there's no sin. Uh, and, uh, you know, over the years, we've gotten all kinds of crazy ideas like, well, I'm going to be holy. Most important thing is to put my hair up in a bun, right? Is that holiness? You know, does the Lord have a man bun? Is there a man bun in heaven? I mean, is that a thing, right? But uh, I don't think the Lord has a man bun, right? Uh, and yet uh, for the for decades, the church is like that. That's God. Denim skirts, that's holiness, right? Uh, you know, no skirts that are pretty. They have to be ugly and made out of denim, right? Uh, and, and look, you got a denim skirt. I don't care, right? But uh, that's not holiness, right? Your skirt uh, uh, dragging the mud and the ground is not holiness, right? How short should your skirt be? I don't care, right? I mean, you know, you'll know when it's too short, right? Other people will know too. Uh, and so that is not holiness. Being like the Lord is holiness, amen? And you know, what happens in our world, in our society, uh, people desire to be unique. And so what they'll do is they paint their hair, they'll fall into a tackle box and stick all kinds of pins and needles in their, in their head, in the rest of their body. Uh, and uh, they think that's, that's uniqueness. That's boring. Anybody can do that. Right. If you're unique, uh, you will be just like the Lord. And you may look bland as vanilla ice cream on the outside, but on the inside, there is no one like you. Amen. Uh, but see, people, they don't know that there's an inside to them. And so they think that to be unique, they have to uh, paint hairs and stick tattoos on them uh, and all kinds of things to be unique. That's boring. Uh, you want to be unique. You strive to be like the Lord in the realm of the spirit. Amen. You strive to love like, there's no, like no one else can love. You strive to walk in the peace and, and the mercy of God like no one can do that. That's holiness, and that's unique. Amen? There are very few people who actually live that way. Uh, and, and when we strive to, to distinguish ourselves in the natural realm only, uh, that, uh, there's a big yawn that comes from heaven, right? People look at me. I'm so different. Boring, boring. You're not, you don't impress anybody, right? Uh, and look I'm not mad at you I don't care you know you got tattooed I don't care right uh, but that is not the path to being unique the path to being unique is strive to be like the lord most high uh, and, and and no one else is like him right you and you'll spend the rest of your life trying to obtain that right it's easy to go down to the tattoo parlor uh, and get and make yourself unique in the natural realm that's why we bought that building over there cuz we said we don't want a tattoo parlor to show up over there right uh, and so we get to control who, who, who goes in that building because we own it. And we own the building next to us. We, no, no tattoo parlors are going to go over there, right? People call me up all the time. Hey, what are you going to do in that building? Not a tattoo parlor, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, all we know is what we're not going to do, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so do you want to be unique? Be like the Lord Most High, yes. amen? Find out what He's like. Read the Word of God. Pray and meditate. Uh, spend time with Him in His presence. And you will be unique among people on the earth. And you won't have to stick a single thing in your body anywhere, you know, punch a hole where the hole doesn't belong, right? You already got enough holes anyway. Uh, uh, and and uh, you don't have to paint your body and, and, and you don't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, it can all be done in the realm of the Spirit, amen? And, and people will get around and they'll know you're different. You may look, you know, people look at me they're oh, you bland as vanilla ice cream, right? Uh, and, and you can see right through me in the sunshine I'm as white as they can be, right? Uh, but, uh, but, I, but I strive to be like the Most High God amen uh, and so uh, the lord is good amen uh well let's open up our bibles to the book of first peter chapter four we're going to continue there today and um, um let's see we got, it's quarter after 11 so you got to buckle up and hang on Amen. we're gonna go for a ride here so in first peter chapter four uh we have been talking about the judgment of the lord and um, it, we, this is our foundation verse here. It says in verse uh, 17, First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? So there's a judgment of the Lord that, that can occur in the life of a Christian. Amen. Uh, hopefully, if we live right, we will never uh, approach the judgment of the Lord until we stand at the end of time the, in the great white throne judgment as a child of God. Uh, but there can, ju- can be judgment that falls upon us on the earth. Uh, and so what I wanted to do is to go back to the beginning because I, I want to follow a, a path of what a Christian's life is like because the, the thing about judgment, uh, especially judgment of the Lord, that, that's difficult for the church to understand is so much. there's so much mercy from the Lord that judgment may never fall on certain people. Uh, and, and see, if it's you and me, we'd be like, hex on you, right? You do that, you know, Uh, off with your head you know uh, you know uh, we'd be pointing fingers all the time right but the Lord's not that way and that's what's so hard for the church to understand they see people do things wrong and and their car doesn't explode right their dog doesn't get shot you know the thing bad things don't happen to them well well, well, why is that and if someone just blinks the wrong way and then you know it seems like the world comes to an end for them well well, that's part of the judgment of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord that he's long-suffering and we have to leave that on, on his side so what we need to do, though, is at least understand how this process could work, what would cause us to get to that point. Uh, and, and the thing that I want to encourage you is don't don't make this a career goal. I want to see just how far I can push it. Some people like like to live that way. Right. They like to sin and see just how far they can go. Uh, and uh, what I want to, to show you is, well, what is this? If that person never experiences judgment, uh, what, what is their state of being? Uh, and, and if we can understand that it's not a good place to be, even if no judgment falls, then you shouldn't strive for that to be that way. Amen. Uh, and so let's let's turn back to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Uh, and so we're going to start just at, we'll the start at the beginning. Right. So Romans, chapter 10, we know these verses. These are the verses that we use to get people born again. And it says, uh, in verse nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus "...and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved." That word saved there is the Greek word sozo, right? That's the, the most common word for, uh, for salvation. Uh, and what happens when you get saved? What happens when you receive the Lord Jesus? You are born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a man must be born again. Your spirit is made brand new, right? So the spirit before that point in time didn't have the life of God in it. When you receive the Lord Jesus, according to Romans 10, 10 9 and 10, you've got to do two things, Right? Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And again, that's, and the reason why you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead is that's the end of redemption, right? So we don't believe that God uh, went to the cross, that Jesus went to the cross. You believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, which means you believe everything before that, right? He went to the cross, he died, he shed blood, but he was raised from the dead. So you believe that. And, And a lot of people do that. A lot of people believe that Jesus was on the earth. He was a real person. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. You know, a lot of heathens believe that. Uh, but that's, not the, only, that's the only, not the only requirement for salvation. The second and really the most important thing is that you must confess him with your mouth as Lord. You must say, Lord, I choose to make you Lord over my life. I choose to make you master and chief in charge of my life. I yield my will to you. That's really the point of salvation, when you choose to yield to him. It's not just to just acknowledgement that he came and died and raised from the dead on the earth. It's now I choose to yield my life to him. When you choose to do that as an act of your will... He will come into you, cause you to be born again, cause your spirit to be made brand new, seal that spirit by the Holy, by the, by the Holy Spirit, and, and set your eternal destiny in heaven. All right, so now you have the life of God in you. Before that, spiritually, you were dead. You didn't have the life of God in you. But now, when you, when you go through Romans 10, 9 and 10, now you've received the Lord Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. Well, how big of a deal is that? That's a huge deal. And how powerful is that? It's the Spirit of God in you. The same Spirit that created the entire universe lives on the inside of you. And people act like you, you, you do one small thing and the Spirit of God can't handle it and you die and you're going to go to hell because you committed a sin. Well, That says that the Spirit of God is just not very, not very powerful to me, right? Uh, now, is that your goal is to sin? No, I mean, because if you've if you got a new creation in you, if you've got a new uh, uh, Spirit in you, that Spirit should grow and increase, right? That Spirit, you should feed that Spirit By the word of God, feed the spirit prayer, feed the spirit fellowship among his saints, uh, and that spirit will grow, and it will become the primary uh, motivation of your life. It will be the driving factor of your life if you'll yield to that spirit. Most of the church doesn't have any idea how to yield to their spirit. They get saved, praise God, they're on their way to heaven, praise God, and that's as far as they go spiritually. And they just remain baby Christians all their life. Never see the power of God, never see the blessings of heaven, just kind of live just an ordinary life. And yet they have access to everything. And so that's Romans 10, 9, 10. That's how we got into this, right? Everybody that's got born again went through Romans 10, 9, and 10. And so how many things you got to do? Two things, right? We were talking about this on a Wednesday night one time. We had a visitor. Uh, first time they were at church, right? And so I said, it, 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 and I read Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? But oftentimes the Lord will have me uh, read Romans 10, 9, and 10. We have visitors because I don't know if they're saved or not. And it says you got to do two things. So when I actually got to do three things. So they just, they just interrupted me in the middle of... You got to do three things. You got to, you know, do what God said to do too. It's like, well, I didn't read that in Romans 10, 9 and 10. I mean, is that what it's, it did It doesn't say that you got to do that to get saved, right? Now, if you want to stay in the, in the blessing of the Lord, yeah. But, but uh, he said, you got to get saved. The only way you get saved is to keep doing the things the Lord told you to do. It doesn't say that. You want to make up stuff? You want to add to the word of God? You want to change the doctrine of the Lord Jesus? I don't want to do that. If he says you got to do two things, how many things you got to do Two things, right? What about going to church? Not in there. What about praying? It's not in there. What about reading the word of God? It's not in there. Now, all those things are necessary to help you to stay in the blessings of the Lord. But to get you to heaven, you've got to do two things. Amen? And some people do that, and that's as far as they go. Now, it would be to your advantage to go further than that. But some people, that's as far as they go. And so now, uh, uh, turn back to Romans chapter 8. And it says here, um, how do do you know you're saved? See, See, uh, the, di- the distinction between Christianity and every other religion is when we get saved, when we accept the Lord, the Spirit of God comes in us. No other religion, even the Jewish religion, God doesn't come in them. Uh, even uh, Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and nobody, there's no supernatural event that occurs in any other religion other than Christianity. Uh, and so it says in verse 16, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, for the Spirit itself, or really I should say Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So now when you get saved and accept the Lord Jesus, you are not just a, a Christian, which is a wonderful thing to be. You are now a child of God, right? You have now been adopted into his family, right? Uh, you have now become a, a member. In fact, in verse 15, it says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So now he is actually our father, right? So, and we have been adopted and placed into his family. And that's been, always been the, great, the Lord's great desire is, is He created us to be part of His family. And, and we try so hard to mess it up. And we are, we are very successful oftentimes in messing it up. It's amazing to me that God even made it to the earth, right? Uh, because He had to come through the bloodline of humanity to get into the earth. Uh, and, and that's why it took Him thousands of years because uh, we're, for the most part, a bunch of losers, right? I mean, we have tried to mess up the plan of God for thousands of years, right? And God's like, oh, Another generation has to go by, right? And uh, he he has to wait another whole 40 years, 100 years, 1,000 years before somebody will come along and go, you know, maybe we should follow God. And the Lord's like, thank you. I've been trying to get into you for a long time, right? I've been trying to get some things to you for a long time. Uh, And so now we are children of God. And it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. How do I know I'm saved? The Spirit of God in you bears witness with you. You know, on the, you know on the inside, well, I'm saved. Well, how do I know? Because that spirit in me bears witness with me. So it's not just I did the thing. It's I did the thing, and now I know the thing. I know that I'm saved. And so nobody should uh, ever be able to convince you, well, you're not saved. Well, how do you know you're saved? Because I know. Well, how do you know? Because I have a witness on the inside of me that I'm on my way to heaven. Amen? And, and you should never let anybody dissuade you from that. You know, some people, are like, oh, maybe I'm not even saved. Even some Christians sometimes, I don't even feel like I'm saved. Well, if the Spirit of God in you would witness to you that you're saved. You may not be living right, but the Spirit of God in you would still witness to you that you're saved. Yeah. And so, so then he says uh, in verse 17, and, and if children, so it says, verse 16, that, that he bears with this brother's spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So it says we are heirs of God. Now, now everybody hopes for, man, I hope I've got a, a, a long-lost rich uncle that dies because then I can be, uh, get some inheritance, right? You don't want your long-lost poor uncle dies. Nobody's going to care, right? It's like, well, what did he leave? Well, like, nothing. Well, well the, you know, who cares, right? I'm not trying to be unkind, right? If you've got a long-lost uncle that died, you know, that's great. Uh, you can go visit him at the funeral. But, but, you know, a lot of people, they, they may not actually say it out loud, but, you know, you ask, hey, what do you think about, you know, so-and-so? Yeah, I'm hoping I'm, hoping I'm his uncle, right? I'm hoping I'm his nephew or something. Now, why? Because you want to be an heir somewhere listed in, in, in the will. Why? Because you want to get stuff. That's why, right? I mean, you know, uh, when, of course, when my parents passed away, you know, they passed away when I was a teenager, uh, and um, we didn't have much growing up, and you take not much growing up and divide it by 11, you got even less much growing up, Right? Uh, and so we did get an inheritance, but they came and they sold everything. They sold their house. They had an auction, right? They sold their house, sold everything, uh, and then divided up the proceeds. And, and uh, we got, I think I got like $2,500 from uh, from a lifetime of my parents being around. I got $2,500 from for the inheritance. Now, I'm not mad about it. It's just, you know, it's what it was, right? So that means that $2,500 times... Ten would be twenty-five thousand dollars. Eleven would be uh, twenty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. That's after my parents worked their whole life and sold everything, uh, furniture and everything. Right? We sold the dog, the cats, everything. Right? If it didn't move, we sold it. Uh, we and I've got eleven brothers and sisters. We might have sold one. I might have had twelve. I don't know. And now we got sold one of them. Now I'm down to eleven. Uh, but uh, uh, twenty-seven thousand dollars after everything was, you know, that's all they had to show for their life. Right? And look, I don't care, right? I mean, I'm not mad at them or anything. That's just, that's just the way it was. Uh, and so, but it says that we are heirs of God. Well, that's who you want to have, the, ha, have uh, to be the heir to, right? It is to be heirs of God. Uh, because what has God got? Everything. Everything, right? What do you think God possesses? Everything. What about perfect healing? Is that, is that part of what God possesses? Any sickness in heaven? Nope. Well, then healing has to be part of our inheritance, right? What about prosperity? Is any, any any poverty in heaven? Streets of gold in heaven, right? Gates of pearl, foundation of precious stones. Uh, pretty good deal, right? People drive by the, the rich house in, in the city go, well, I, hope that, I hope I'm related to that guy, right? When he dies, I hope I get something, right? Well, you, you see heaven and, it, and it's spectacular, breathtaking. Uh, walls made out of such pure gold that you can see through it, right? Uh, that, that's amazing. And we're heirs to that. Now, now the only problem with being an heir is you got to wait around till somebody dies, right? Uh, and, and you know, some sometimes people are terrible. Uh, hey, uncle, looking a little weak today. How are you feeling? Right? Uh, and they're like, "Uh, oh, he heard hurt. Hurt? He slipped. You know? Did he fall? How bad he hurt himself? Oh man, he recovered. Wow, oh, man. Wow, well, you know, that's a shame, right? Uh, not that anybody actually thinks that way, but I'm sure some people do, right? They were just waiting, you know. Uh, When 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 their uncle's fast asleep, they go by and check his pulse. Ah, he's still got one, right? Uh, And so they're terrible people. And and I have seen the worst of people. When when somebody when the family dies, the worst comes out of humanity. I mean, absolute worst comes out of people over stuff, over nothing. Right? They'll fight over a stick. They're like, yeah, this is my stick. When when my my parents died, uh, they had these. It was a punch bowl set. uh, and, and I don't, it was the ugliest thing. It was like that carnival glass kind of stuff, right? Ugly. I mean, I'm sure people love, some people love, you love it. That's fine. It's still ugly. Even if you like it, it's still ugly, right? <laughs> but but it, it somehow in the picture, it had the Star of David in the, in the, he had to pull it up to the light and look at it. And, and somehow that made it special. I don't know why it made it special, but it made it special, right? Now, and, and wars were fought over this, this thing, right? I had an uncle that when, my, when my, uh, m- my mom died last, after she died, and we hadn't seen him for years. She called up, hey, uh, Lillian said that uh, we could have that when she dies. Really? You're calling us up about a punch bowl set? Uh, you know, there's nothing, right? Yeah, and uh, it just, just, uh, it, and then my mom had this, had this uh, uh, recipe book. And the only thing I know of this recipe book is it had a recipe for French toast. And it was really good French toast. Other than that, I had no idea what was in this. this. But, but uh, my one sister got it, uh, and, and so, uh, so she had it for years. Well, the other sister said, well, mom said I could have that when she died. Well, was it her writing? Did anybody know that? Did you make it up? I don't know. I wasn't there, right? Maybe my mom did say that to her. I don't know, right? Uh, and and so, so, so for years, yeah, I should have had that. That should have been mine, right? I should have got that recipe book, you know, but you got it, you know. And so there's just tension for years over this. It's a book, right? You just buy it on Amazon. I'm sure you can buy it now on, on eBay or somewhere. Yeah. And so, so uh, sister number two said, hey, I, this is like year, decades later. Hey, can I just borrow that and make a copy of that? Oh, yeah, okay, sure, fine. You know, they ship it to them, you know, and hey, uh, can I get that back? No. What do you mean no? You, you said you were going to just borrow and make a copy of it. You know, no, it was supposed to be been mine a thousand years ago. It's like, oh, fight over dirt right all the everything in the world is going to go back to dirt right it all came out of the dirt it's all going to go back to dirt amen you want to fight over dirt it's just yawn 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 uh, and so uh, he said we have an inheritance right so now to be an heir to get the stuff somebody's going to die well fortunately for us who died Jesus right so if he died that means we get all his stuff well what's the stuff he's got everything we could all hope and dream for right perfect peace soundness of mind uh healed bodies uh, full of prosperity for any child of god who says god doesn't want me to be blessed how is that even possible if he left you everything if he has everything and he left everything to you and we are joint heirs with him we are heirs of christ and uh, heirs of god and joint heirs with christ then 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 why would that be included If if you open up the will and all that comes out is a moth flies out. There's nothing there, right? Well, that's not much of an inheritance, right? Why would he go to all that trouble and leave us an inheritance and there's no inheritance? Amen? And why would it only be, oh, it's only spiritual things? Well, who created the natural realm? How many times did God say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? If the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, then it's mine. He said that, that, that... I get everything joint heirs with Jesus. So everything Jesus has, I've got my share. And if he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, what have I got? Cattle on a thousand hills. I don't even want a cattle on a thousand hills, but they're still mine. Uh, Because he said they're mine, right? And he said the gold is mine, the silver is mine. He never lost ownership of the earth. He lost the authority over the earth, but he never lost ownership of the earth. He never transferred ownership to anybody until the Lord Jesus died. Now, uh, the, the natural realm is ours, the spirit realm is ours, every realm is ours as children of the Most High God. When do you get that? The moment you say, I do. The moment you say, yes, Lord. Uh, you, you start at 100% with the Lord. And that's the thing, if Christians would appreciate that, when you get born again, you start at 100% uh, of your inheritance, Amen. You don't have to work your way up. Well, you know, it's not a trust fund, right? If it's a trust fund, you got to, well, you got to wait till you're 21. And then sometimes they put all kinds of clauses where you got to be 21 and then you got to be married and you got to work in this kind of job. Uh, You know, a lot of times they put conditions on your inheritance, right? Uh, Well, you've got to do all these things. And if you don't, you know, you're, you're, you know, hex on you, right? No inheritance for you. Uh, But the Lord didn't do that. He said, when you get saved, it's all yours, 100 percent yours. Now, is that a good deal? That's a good deal. Why wouldn't we want to live in that? Why wouldn't we? Why, why is it When people say God doesn't want to heal you, I think, I, who are you? Have you not read any Bible at all? Do you not understand anything at all about the Lord Jesus? Why would God spend all this time and effort to come to the earth, live and die, shed blood on our behalf, and then say, sorry, make it the best, best way you can in this life, see you in heaven? Now, why would he do all that work and just. Yeah, I just, I didn't ever get around to the natural realm. I just, you know, I just want to handle spiritual things. And the natural realm is not that important. Well, who created the natural realm? Well, God did. So if he created it, he would want to take care of you in every way. Amen. Now, is the natural realm the most important realm? It's the least important realm. Amen. The most important realm is the spirit man, right? The spirit man is the part of you that's going to look most like God. And that's the part of you that you want to be holy. Then you make your spirit man uh, be just like the Lord. Uh, And so... So, so, so we are heirs of God, and so, so now uh, let's go back then to to uh, Galatians. Mm-hmm. So, so every child of God had Galatians chapter two. Every child of God, as a Christian, right now, the moment you get born again, you start at a hundred percent. Now, uh, before we get to Galatians, let, let's turn over to um, let's turn over to Second Corinthians chapter one. So. Th- <clears throat> now is that true are we making this stuff up did the lord really do that for us well it says what he did right i mean it's not really hard to understand it may be hard to accept but it's not hard to understand uh, and so he says here this is second corinthians chapter 2 verse uh, 20 second corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 for all the promises of god are in him yea and in him amen unto the glory of god by us that's an awesome verse right there right all the promises of god so uh, when he said, by his stripes you were healed, is that a promise? Well, sure, right? Did he say that he'd never leave you nor forsake you? Sure. Did he say that uh, a thousand shall fall to your side, ten thousand to your right hand, but it not come nigh you? Sure. Are those promises of God? Sure they are. Well, do they belong to you? Well, it says all the promises of God are in him, yes. So, so what you need to do when you find a promise of God in the word of God, you need to ask the question, Lord, does that belong to me? Does that promise of God, of, of, Physical healing, does that belong to me? That promise of a sound mind, does that, does that belong to me? Right? Because he told, Paul told Timothy that the Lord has not given to you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So do you have a right to a sound mind? Is that a promise of God? Yeah, yeah. yeah it is a promise of God. But see, who cares if it's a promise of God? What matters is, is it a promise of God that belongs to you? Yeah. Right? Does that promise belong to you? Well, that's great for Timothy, right? I'm glad Timothy had a sound mind. Too bad I can't have one. Well, is that, is that the way it works? No, because if it's a promise of God, then you come to 2 Corinthians one twenty and say, well, Lord, does this promise belong to me? And what's the answer? Yes. All the promises of God are in Him, what? Yes. So, we, Lord, does this promise belong to me? Then the answer is always what? Yes, the answer is always yes. If, when you find a promise, a, a blessing from the Lord in the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter where it is, if it's a promise of blessing, uh, in the word of God, and you ask the question, does this belong to me? The answer is always yes, because of what? In him, the answer is what? Yes, yes. because of what Jesus did, the answer is yes. So is that a good thing? Oh, yeah. So when you say, well, wouldn't it be nice to be healed, right? Does that promise belong to me? Well, it does belong to you. Is that a promise? Yes, it is a promise, but does it belong to me? According to 2 Corinthians one twenty, the answer is always yes. But you should do that. I've, I've done that many times. I read the word of God and say, Lord, does that belong to me? Can I, can I have that? Am I able to have that peace of mind? Am I able to ha- live a life that's have a, a sound mind? Am I able to live a life that's free from sickness and disease? Am I able to live a life that, that's free from poverty and lack and destruction and death? Am I able to live a life like that? Can I have that promise of this life uh, uh, on this earth? Because he, t- he, told, he, told, uh, 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 he told Peter in, in Mark chapter 10... He said that, that uh, if you give up anything for, m- for my sake and the gospel's sake, he said, I'll give you a hundredfold more. Yeah. Well, is that a promise? promise? Well, sure. Then you can say, Lord, does that promise belong to me? If, then you, if you read it, he said in Luke 6, 38, given it, it shall be given it, you good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give it to your bosom. Uh, Lord, that's a promise. Does that belong to me? Well, what's the answer? Yes. It's always the same answer. It's always yes. Why? Because you're such a wonderful person? No, you have nothing to do with it. All the promises of God are what? In Him, yes. And in Him, amen. To what end? To what end? What's the end of the verse say? Uh, unto the what? Glory of God by what? The last two words are really important. By what? By us. By you living in the blessings and promises promise of God, you give glory to God. And, and that's how we, people, Well, I gave glory to God on my, on my bed of sickness. That's not what it says. The only way you give glory to God is by receiving the promise of God. Amen. He told that in, in, he told that in the book of John that, that, uh, that uh, when we get the answers to our prayers, that uh, we give glory to God. Uh, and so uh, the way you give glory to God is by living in the fullness of his blessings. Because you show, look how good God is. That's showing his glory. If you're sick and diseased like everybody else, how is that? I mean, the world's full of sickness and disease. How are you distinguishing yourself at all from the world if you look just like them? If you're poor, just like them. If you're broke, just like them. If you're sick, just like them. If you're, if you're full of mental anguish, just like them. How is that the glory of God? There's no glory in that. The Lord said you can have a sound mind. Well, and, 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 well nothing bothers you. That's the glory of God. Amen? And you give glory to God by living that way. People, people say, I don't want any of the world's goods. Well, then you can't give glory to God. You, you're not, you're not, your life is not displaying the glory of God. Amen? Uh, and, and yeah, you can. It's great that you have a great attitude when you're on your bed of sickness. Great that you're kind to the nurses. That's great. That's not the glory of God. Amen. The glory of God is when you receive the promises of God. Now you receive the pro, now you're giving glory to God. Uh, and why wouldn't we want to do that? Why 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 do people get in this these crazy these crazy thoughts and mentality of well I don't need to be, any of the blessings of, of the Lord. What could you do if you had all the blessings of heaven? Who could you help? Uh, anybody, right? Uh, who could you send on mission trips, even if you don't want to go? You could send anybody. Uh, what churches could you bless uh, if you had all the, uh, the access to all the blessings of heaven? Uh, every church in the world, amen? Uh, who, who could you, because, you know, there are natural aspects of blessing people, clothing them, right? Feeding them. You know, we just, we just helped out the, uh, the jail, right? We gave them just a small uh, Christmas bags for every inmate in the jail, then you know, that, that I mean, it cost uh, the ministry total about $2,500. I know many of you gave part, a lot of that, too, in that. But we spent about $2,500 on that. Now, in my mind, that's not a very big amount. But you think if you had to write a check for $2,500 tomorrow for, for something like that, could you do it? Now, many of you could, right? But some of you think well, it might as well be a million dollars, right? I remember growing up, and, and, and uh, this is early 70s, they were talking about a brand-new car costs like $3,000. Now, now, I'm just a kid, I'm thinking... I hadn't seen, uh, one time when I was in sixth grade, I was going to uh, a school trip. We went to, uh, we, uh, back when uh, Opryland was a, was, a, was a theme park. Remember when Opryland was a theme park? Uh, and so you'd go there and ride rides, ride cannonball, all that stuff, and you do that. Well, I went in sixth grade. Uh, 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 now, I'm like, like 12 years old now, right? So I'm going to go, uh, and so it's an all-day trip. So I, I carry a sack lunch. I'm the only one in the entire trip that carried a sack lunch and 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 just as I'm about to go, my, my mom said, "Hey, uh, uh, Dad, uh, give him some money." He gave me three bucks, three dollars, right? To go. To, and this was when a ticket was like eighteen dollars. Right then, the school paid for the ticket, so I didn't have to pay for the ticket. Because if I had to pay for the ticket, I wouldn't to get to go. Uh, but he gave me three dollars, and I thought, I mean, I really thought, man, I got, I, I'm loaded down. I got cash, three dollars in my pocket, right? Uh, and I spent it on the, on the ugliest salt and pepper shaker from my mom that you could imagine. The big, ugly things, right? Because, you know, when you're 12 years old as a boy, you got no taste anyway, right? I mean, you don't get much taste as you grow up anyway, but still, you had no taste, and you bought, you know, because, and they're huge, right? And I never saw it. So mom use them, right? Oh, thank you, honey. And she threw it in a back closet somewhere because uh, who wants to use that? They're the ugliest things you've ever seen. Uh, but that's what I spent my $3 on. I didn't spend it on me at all. I spent it, you know, as a gift from mom, I'm a wonderful child, right? I'm just a perfect son. Uh, and so, uh, but see, I thought uh, they were talking about cars, $3,000 for a new car. I thought it might as well be a million dollars. I mean, if you say $3,000, it, it could have been a billion. It didn't matter. Once you got past $1.98, it was like impossible to obtain, right? You know, that, and that's the way I grew up with that mentality of, of, uh, of just nothing. Uh, and, you know, you have to grow out of that. A lot of times you can only grow out of that by faith. You have to in- increase your, your your vision for life. Amen. Uh, and so, so all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. All the promises. Lord, does that promise belong to me? Yes, it belongs to you, right? Now you have to acquire it and obtain it by faith and live in it by faith. It's not just automatic, right? Everything in the, the church is automatic, is, 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 uh, is given to you uh, at, at the new birth, but you obtain it and live in it by faith, amen? Uh, and let's look at one more scripture here, Second Peter chapter 1. I mean, we're still talking about the judgment of the Lord, right? It's all really good so far, but hang on, you know, we're going we to get there, right? Uh, and so 2 Peter chapter 1, he says here uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 3, according as his divine power, the word power there is, is dunamis, the supernatural miracle work and power of God, according as his divine supernatural miracle work and power of God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So uh, how many things pertain to your life? What things pertain to your life? Do clothes pertain to your life? Does food pertain to your life? Does a place to live pertain to your life? Does a job pertain to your life? Does a car pertain to your life? Does, does you know, uh, black socks and white socks and tall socks and short socks, do those pertain to your life? Dogs and cats and, and dishes and spoons and forks? I mean, you know, we could go on all day, right? Do those things pertain to your life? Yeah. What does it say the Lord gave to us? According as His divine, supernatural, miracle, working power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through what? Through the knowledge of Him that, that has called us to glory and virtue. So that, this gives us a little more insight then. so He's done this, but they come through the knowledge of Him. Well, uh, do you know where John 3.16 is? I have no idea. Well, in case you didn't know, it's in John 3.16, right? Uh, and so, uh, do, but do you have that knowledge? How many, people don't, um, how many Christians don't know anything about the Lord? They don't know anything about the Word of God. They know nothing about the Bible. They know nothing about faith. They know nothing about healing. They know nothing about, about the power of God. They know nothing about anything. Well, if they know nothing about it, then how much access do they have to all the promises, His divine power that has given us all things, how much access do they have to all those things? None, because it comes through the knowledge of him, right? To the, and it's primarily through the knowledge of the word of God. Amen. See, if you don't know healing is a thing because it's in the word of God, then, then you don't have the knowledge of him, right, of, in that area. Well, how many people in the church remain ignorant all their lives? Well, I didn't know you could be healed. I mean, I remember when I got saved. I got saved. I knew nothing of the word of God. And, and uh, you know, we went to a, a charismatic church uh, pentecostal church and they started talking, talking about healing i'd never heard about that before i never heard that you could be healed supernaturally that was new information to me and i just assumed oh, okay well it sounds good to me right i mean it, it, it didn't take long to convince me because i didn't have to unlearn anything i didn't know anything to begin with so it was all new information to me when they said god is good it's like oh, okay i guess god's good right i guess if god's a healer okay well i guess god's a healer i guess he, it's okay to be healed then and see th- i was obtaining the knowledge of him and by that, I was getting access to all the things he's already given to me. He says that according as his divine, supernatural, miracle power has given us, has, past tense, given us, he's already given it to us, right? He's not waiting to, oh, hang on, let me, go uh, sorry, I'm a little low today on healing. Come back tomorrow, you know. No, he's already given it to us. Uh, he is, according as his divine power has already given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So if we something related to you, your life, your, your life on this earth, or being godly right i mean being godly is lord i need strength and power and ability to live to be just like you then that's available too right uh he said he's given it to you but it's going to come through the knowledge of him and and when you obtain that knowledge you have to believe that right it's it's not just the 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 mental knowledge of that Uh, lord does that promise belong to me yes okay then i believe that that promise belongs to me that's the full knowledge of him that's getting into the knowledge of him and believing that uh and so So how many things do we have access to in our life? All things, right? Is that what it says? Are we making up anything? Are we just, you know, taking scriptures out of context and say, well, you know, twisting it and, you know, square peg in a round hole? No, these things are very simple to understand. It's very, very basic, right? But lost on much of the church. Now, now this is a state that the Lord desires the child of God to live in all their life, all of your life. That's the state he desires to live in for you to live in all of your life. Have access to all the promise of God. Have, have uh, uh, all the promise of God to be yes in your life. Lord, can I have healing? Yes. Lord, can I, can I have a, a decent job and, and a good living? Yes. Can I have a decent house and a car to drive? Yes. All the promises of God belong to you. Amen. So now, now we can go back to, to, to Galatians and we'll pick up, we had mentioned this a few weeks ago, Galatians chapter 2 And so uh, he says here in, in um, uh, verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. So you remember when you got born again, right, you accepted Lord Jesus uh, in all that he did. And Paul says, uh, not only did you get born again, but now you also need to accept the work that he did. And he said he lived, he lived a crucified life. Now, when Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, was he talking about that he went to some tree and got hung on a tree and got nails put in his hands and he shed blood and was naked in front of everything no it, it just it means that he has died to his own wills and desire and, and when you when you said uh, uh when you confess him as your lord say lord i choose to accept you as my lord and savior and that moment is when you were crucified with christ you have chosen to die because remember what did jesus say in, in the garden of gethsemane uh, lord not my will but thy will be done See, when you say that by saying, Lord, I choose to accept you as my Lord and Savior, you're praying the same exact prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now you're crucified with Christ. You've you've taken up your cross. You've chosen to yield to, to the will of the Father instead of your own will. And really, what you need to do in your own personal life is to get your will lined up with the Father. See, Jesus' will, his will was always lined up with the Father, except that one tiny area that he had to work on in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you, look, if you look at the will of most of humanity compared to the will of God, they're way over here in a cow field and the Lord's over like, where are you? Where, where'd you go? I'm over here. Well, Lord, I was in this cow field over here, you know, just doing my thing. And the Lord's like, yeah, but I need you to be way over here. Well, Lord, I don't really want to do that thing over there. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. I want to follow you. I, don't, I want to do what I want to do. And, well, but you said, you, you said not my will. Then that what you said, right? You said, Lord, I, 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 I call you my Lord. Now, see, people, you know, I've prayed for people. Uh, are you willing to get saved? I want to get saved. Okay, are you willing to confess him as your Lord and do what he wants you to do for the rest of your life? Oh, well, I'll try. And what they're saying is, no, I don't want to do that. It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds hard. It's the best thing in the world. You have access to the glory of heaven if you follow his will, perfect peace, perfect healing, perfect prosperity, perfect everything. Yeah, I don't think I want that. In what world would you not want that? I want to do what I want to do. That's the dumbest thing, right? Because, yeah. you know, the moment I got born again, I remember thinking, I've got to find people that know more than me, which was basically everybody in the whole world, right? Cause I knew nothing of the Lord. And so I'd go to find people who knew something of the Lord. I'd go hang around and just listen to them. I wouldn't say I'd listen to them. I was even told, you know, I'd go to, go to some Uh, meals you know where the adults were there I'm just a kid and some of the adults would say "Uh, you don't need to be here because you're not an adult It's like I just want to listen leave me alone I just want to listen right and it's a you can't be here it's like I want to be here because I don't know anything and it's like I can't believe adults would do that right you got a child that wants to learn about God don't suppress them. What, what, what's wrong with people, right? Or this is only for the adults. What? what? You got more faith than a child? I and mean, Jesus said, you got to be like me anyway. So, you know, you need to learn from me. I didn't say that because that'd be arrogant and disrespectful. But, uh, I mean, nobody, Jesus never said, have the faith of, a, of an old man, right? He said, have the faith of a child. Amen? Now, and so, I'm bragging on myself, but just, you know, it's just that situation there. I want to find people that know more than me. Amen. I, I, what do you know that I don't know? Everything. Okay, well, I, I want to get that and put, add that to my life. Amen? Uh, these folks who just don't want anything, of, they don't even know what they're missing many times. Amen? Have access to all the blessings of heaven. You what we read, right? Two, two different verses there. Uh, we could read a bunch more too. But, uh, so Paul said, I am crucified with the Christ. When you said, Lord, you are now crucified with the Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, that's how we're supposed to live. Are you living that way? It's a life that you're living in the flesh. Are you living by the faith of the Son of God? Get up every day. Lord, it's a brand new day. uh, Day for prosperity and healing and blessings. Uh, Are you living by the faith of the Son of God? Well, I'm just making it best I can, you know. Oh, it's cold outside; all my bones ache when it gets cold. You know, you know how it happens, right? And oh, you just wait till you get older. You know, it all starts falling off. You know, got to uh, buy a roll of duct tape when you get older, right? And duct tape it all back together. Uh, well, is that by the faith of the Son of God? It sounds like the faith of the rest of the world, right? I can't tell you how many people just have told me in the church, "Well, you just wait till you get older. <laughs> you're you're going to be aching and sore, and you, you know you can't even stand up." Uh, Not going to happen to me, right? And so I live by the faith of the Son of God. It doesn't say faith of the Son of God until you get older. Does it say that anywhere? Footnote somewhere? What kind of what kind of heathen translation you got? Anyway, says that it doesn't say that. It says that I can live by the faith of the Son of God all the days of my life until I breathe my last breath. Not until I get older and it quits working. Amen. Uh, And so uh, you are crucified with Christ, and and, and who loved me gave himself for me. And and verse twenty one is where we got to. I do not frustrate the grace of God. So, so now we start getting into some, some insight about what we talked about earlier, about when you commit a sin, now all that inheritance that belongs to you, the Lord is designed to give to you every day, he's frustrated in, in delivering that to you every day because of you chosen to walk in sin. Uh, and, and so that's the issue with the church right there, right? And so before you sinned, you were at 100%. You're, you weren't at zero trying to make your way up. You are, you are 100%, right? You are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, 100%. You, you didn't start, You, you know, well, you got to work your way up the ladder, right? Just the corporate world, we got to work our way up. No, you're not working up way no ladder. You're already at the top of the heap, right? And all you can do is frustrate God. Now, see, frustration doesn't change his will. He wants to, he's unable to. That's on you. Right? It's not on him, it's on you, amen? Uh, and so, but that doesn't mean that you're judged of God yet. That just means you've committed a sin. And ideally, what you should do is, according to 1 John 1, 9, confess that sin. Spirit of God will, will, will prompt you and say, hey, what you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. Where you went was wrong. Uh, what you did to that person is wrong. Uh, and, and, and you always, number one, repent to God first. And then he may say, well, now you go make amends after. He may tell you to do that. And if, you're, if you really are crucified with Christ, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. No problem. right? Be glad to do that. Uh, and so, but you always repent to the Lord, amen, confess the sin, Lord, I did that, because the Spirit of God will tell you, why, did, why does the Spirit of God tell you? Because He wants you to live in the blessings of, of the Lord, it's not that He's trying to punish you, well, you know, you need to repent, well, I'm not repenting, and, and the Spirit of God's like, yes, but I, I need to get blessings to you, I want to get blessings to you, but I can't until you get that out of your life. Now, see, you still haven't arrived at the judgment of the Lord, amen. Uh, and so we talked about the scripture there in, in 2 Timothy about how some men's sins are, are go to judgment now and some men's sins, you won't, they won't be judged until they stand before the Lord. Uh, and, and we understood by that is, is you don't know. Who, who, uh, why does the Lord decide to judge some people on the earth uh, and for other people who just wait till they get to heaven? That's, on, that's, in, his, that's in his heart and his mind. Uh, and why did he choose to do that that's the part we don't know and that's the part that confuses christians because they see two christians one do the smallest thing and it seems like heaven comes down upon them and the other person you know is stealing their grandma's cookies and, and nothing ever happens to them right they get away with everything why do they get away with everything well i don't know but they're still not living in the promises of god right they still don't have access to the inheritance that belongs to them it was given to them at the, at the cross but they now god is frustrated to grant them their inheritance that they need today And so now they're on their own. And a lot of Christians are, you know, I just make my own way. Well, that's okay, but you're going to be constrained, right? How much can you do in your own life? By yourself. Only a certain amount, right? Now, there's unlimited in the Lord, but with you, it's going to be fixed, right? It's going to be, you can only do so much. And a lot of Christians are okay with that. I want everything that belongs to me. I don't want to be constrained at all. And if the Lord says, I need to repent, yes, sir, I'll be glad to repent. uh, and, And do it quickly. Amen. And do it with sincerity and never do it by excuse. Well, Lord, I, I couldn't help it. You know, Lord, I didn't mean to. Lord, you know, it wasn't my fault. You got to own it. Lord, I did it. And that's the way I say it. When I, when I repent, Lord, Lord, I did it. Nobody made me do it. I did it my own free will. That's I almost, say, almost say, oh, those exact words. Anytime I repent to the Lord, I did it. Nobody made me do it. I chose to do it of my own free will. I don't make any excuse. I don't try to, because the Lord's is not, is, there's the Lord like, really? You didn't mean to do Oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, sorry, I ever brought it up. We'll just call it even, right? He, no, he never does that. He's perfect and he knows everything, right? Uh, and so don't make an excuse for the Lord it's not going to hold any water, amen? Uh, and so, so now uh, we're in that state uh, of, uh, we've committed a sin uh, and, and we may not be judged of the Lord yet, right? Now, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've got to get through this today, folks. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how far we go. I was planning on being done today, but uh, you've got to buckle up, right? Uh, nobody's working tomorrow, right? I mean, it's like last week, right? Nobody, nobody's working on Christmas Day, so we'll just be here all day. Uh, we'll just skip uh, healing school. Uh, he says here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 26, Be angry and sin not. Uh, most people love those first three words, right? Oh, I was so mad I couldn't, understand stand it? Well, did you sin not? Well, you know, I did kick the dog, right? Uh, and let not the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, and so, you know, is, is anger a thing? Anger is a thing. Can you be angry and sin not? It is possible to be angry and sin not. Uh, have you been able to do that? Well, not successfully yet, but I'm trying, you know. I'm working on it, you know. Uh, people always say, uh, I'm trying, you know. Have you forgiven? I'm, I'm trying to forgive them. No, you either forgive them or you don't forgive them. No, just trying stuff, right? There's no trying of faith. Faith is you do it or you don't do it. There's no, well, there's no progression with the Lord. Well, I'm an I'm a 80% trying, you know. And there's no, there's no curve in the Lord. Oh, you get a B plus as a Christian today. It's either you get it or you don't get it, right? It's just because the Lord, just is the way he lives. Because from his perspective, he's like, oh, so, so there's not enough Holy Spirit in you right now to, to help you? Oh, well, Lord yeah you need more bible than the 66 books i gave you well lord you know uh, you need to be more born again than you are right now well lord I, you know i mean uh, yeah if you could give me more holy spirit more word more 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 born again i guess maybe i could do it you know i mean what else do you need amen i mean i'm not trying to be hard on you but sometimes we make excuses and it's like uh no you know uh, and so uh so he said Let, uh, be angry and sin not and he says in verse 27 neither give place to the devil so now, uh, again, uh, back along with Galatians 2.21 uh, about I do not frustrate the grace of God. When, when you start sinning, you are now giving place to the devil. Now, we're not in the Old Testament. Old Testament, the devil had a legal right. When you messed up, he could do anything he wanted to. Right. And we see that. I mean, well, how many times did the earth open up and eat people in the Old Covenant? I mean, earth opened up and swallowed, you know, 10,000 people. You know, this doesn't happen now. Why? Because the devil had a legal right to do it. He'll get away with it as far as, far as he can, but, but he's treading on, on thin ice when he tries to, to do things to a child of God. But see, when you, when you sin, now you give him, that word place there means license. You, when you sin, you give a license to the devil to operate in your life. He doesn't have a legal right to do it, but you've given him a legal right to do it, right? You've given him power of attorney to operate in your life. Well, if you gave him that right, who could take that right back? Well, You could. You can say, give me that license. You know, I'm going to pull your license. Just like you know, uh, uh, I, when my, I uh, had a brother pass away a few years ago and, and somebody from the church here, right? Now nobody, would, now, nobody here, you all are perfect now, but you know, this was not a perfect person. They come and said, "Now they've been to healing school, right? Weeks at a time. And they said, well, you just never know when your time is up. I said, give me your card. You, you, you are no longer a member in good standing here, right? That is not true. You just never know when your time is up. He said in Psalm ninety-one sixteen, with long life, I'll satisfy you. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, my brother did not have a long life. So that was not God. Well, you just never know when your time is up. I know exactly when my time will be up, when I'm satisfied and I've lived a long life. That's what it says, right? That's the promise. Does that promise belong to me? It's a promise. It belongs to me. I choose to believe it. Now, you may not choose to believe it. I choose to believe it. So you just never know when your time's up, you know there's sometimes you just, you know, you know, you, I mean, some things, you know, we start preaching on revelation and somebody goes, well, I didn't know that. Okay, fine. Right. Some of these things I've taught a long time. Oh, yeah. Amen. Uh, and, and now I'm doing my part, but if you're not doing your part, I can't help your part. I mean, if you're just not going to hear it when I say with long life, feel satisfied, satisfy you and show you salvation. Well, yeah, I know, but you just never know when your time's up. Right. Uh, <laughs> neither give place to the devil. So now you're again, you're in that state of, of, of you've committed a sin. You don't want to repent. Now the devil starts operating in your life. Things start happening. And what do people do? God has put this on me. God, you know, puts cancer on me. God, you know, caused my car to have an accident. God broke my leg. Well, who? what did it say? Neither gave place to who? To the devil. Who's the one who gave place to the devil? You did, Right. How many funerals have you all been to when they said, well, God needed him in heaven more than he needed him on the earth? God took him, right? Just like Enoch, God took him. And hey, God ain't taking nobody. God's promised everybody on the earth, with a long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. He's not taking a single person. The devil's gotten in there, taking all of them. If they, if they left before their time, the devil's gotten in. There. Somehow, right? They gave It Now, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, right? Well, they're a bad person. You know, sometimes people just don't know enough, right? They all these promises come through the knowledge of Him. Some Christians go to church every every Sunday, and never hear a thing. I mean, they have got their twenty six year Sunday school pen hadn't learned a thing. How I many how many Christians do you know they have been in Christian since dirt, uh, and couldn't pray their way out of a wet paper bag, couldn't believe their way out of, out of the smallest thing, right? I, I know, uh, uh, you know. Again, I'm not trying to disparage my pastor, but you know, I was with him for twenty years. Yeah, and when I found out that he was sick, his wife called me. He said, hey, we've got a, a report that, that he's got cancer. And I remember having a conversation with her. So I said, my concern is in all the years I've known him, I've never once saw him overcome sickness by faith. Because, you know, he was kind of a tough guy, right? He was a man's man, and, and he would just tough it out. Well, toughing it out is not faith, right? I'm just going to, you know, I, I know many times he was in a pulpit sick, sick as a dog. And he was just kind of this, this man's man, and he would just tough it out. Well, toughing it out is not faith. Faith is, I, I am the healed of God, and it goes away. Right? It leaves. You don't just man it through, right? Just man through the, through the sickness. That's not faith, right? Faith is you overcome it, and it goes away supernaturally. And I'd never seen him do that. You know, he, he, did, he never developed that area of his life. He taught about faith a lot in that area, but he never really developed that in his own life. See, as a minister, it doesn't matter what I teach. I still have to apply that to my own life. I still have to learn how to apply that by faith, In in my own life, Amen. Uh, And so, need to give place to the devil. So again, that's not this is not God judging you. You have opened the door to the devil to operate in your life. Sometimes that happens with now. You know, I mean, you ever know people that that everything's always just destruction in their life? They get a car and the engine blows up tomorrow. They got a dog and it's got you know it's got dog cancer. Uh, they they get a job and and, and it goes it, it goes to Mexico or I mean every, it's like everything's always breaking in their life right they they got a house and it's leaking they got a house and the air conditioner goes out they got a house and the door quits working and I mean, I mean just it's always something right and, and well, I'd start going Lord have I given place to the devil now and I've told you many times if if something happens to me and it's like more than once. I go to the Lord and say, Lord, what's up? Where have I given place to the devil? I, I, don't, I don't blame you on it. I, Lord, did I do something? H- have, have I put myself in a position where I've given license to the devil to operate in my life? I mean, simple things like I stub a toe. If I stub a toe more than once, hey, you know, I speak to, you know, I had a, I had a board fall on me, you know, one time. And I said, hey, you don't ever do that again. I spoke to it. You spoke to the fig tree. I speak to things. I knew, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It only happened once. So there you go, right? I mean, it had to happen again. And it had the same board, you know. Uh, of course, I did put it through the grinder after that, but. Uh, <laughs> but um, Need to get place to the devil. So again, now you're not judged of the Lord yet. That's not judgment of God. But see, the, the thing is, uh, as we progress, and this is where, this is where it, it's hard for the church to understand, is you may never see the judgment of the Lord in this life. You may just go through and just sin and, and, and the devil operating in your life, but that's not God judging you. That's just you living that way, right? And you haven't repented. And that's just the, 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 the devil operating in life. But the Lord can, and on occasion, we read, we read the verse in James that says that, Do be not many teachers, for, for the teachers are under greater condemnation, right? And we talked about, uh, and, and so we're going to wind this up here just a second, uh, all, all we can look at is the precedences that we see in the Word of God. So if you go through the New Testament, what you find is there are people, that, and let's just look at one example real quick. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 5. Uh, we do find that it seems as though when sins uh, have a major impact around people's lives, that judgment will occur. But again, does it always happen? No. Uh, in fact, it's, it's actually pretty rare. Uh, and so... Uh, we're here in Acts chapter 5. Y'all got time to go through this real quick? Uh, it, it says, uh, this is, let's start in verse 1. It says, but the certain man. So, so now, uh, at this time, what was going on was uh, they were bringing all things into common, right? Uh, they were selling their things uh, to, the, to, uh, to help the finances of the church. And uh, it says in verse 35, or at least verse 34 of chapter 4, neither was there any among them that lacked as many as, as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according to as he had need. So that's the way the church was operating. So they a uh, the house, hey, sell it, just give the money to the church, right? They had lands, just sell it, give the money to the church. And the church would take that and they would distribute to the needs of the, of the people in the church. Now that's great if the Lord's coming back tomorrow. But if he comes back the day after tomorrow and you sold all your land, how are you going to get any money? Right. Because how would they produce money? They would they would grow crops, uh, raise cattle, sell it and make some income from that. Right. Uh, Well, if the Lord's come back tomorrow, sell it all. Right. But but after they gave up and sold everything, where'd they get their money? So later on, Paul says, hey, we need to take a collecting for this church because they've all sold everything. Nobody's got any money. So, you know, uh, it's all, this is, that was great zealous, right? Great zeal for the Lord, but it wasn't wisdom. Amen. Now, none of my, not, none of my business, right? You do whatever you want to, but, you know, you've got to be careful in doing these things. Because sometimes zeal, let's just sell it all. Let's just live by faith. Well, that's great, right? Uh, how successful has that been for you, right? Uh, and so, so that's what they were doing. So, so this fella, a certain man named Ananias, hey, let's do that. That sounds cool. You know, we can do that. You want to do that, honey? Yeah. And his wife, Sapphira, sold the possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power or thine own authority? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So what did Ananias do? He had some land. Everybody's selling their land. I'm going to sell my land. Uh, uh, And uh, uh, well, what what did you sell it for? Well, I sold it for $100,000. Well, are you going to give that church? Well, we can't give like all of that to the church because, I mean, you know, we need to keep some of that for ourselves. But what they do, they went to Peter and said, hey, Peter, we sold it for $50,000. Here's all the money. Aren't we spiritual? Look at us. Man, we're so spiritual. We can't hardly stand ourselves, Right. Uh, we want to be, and, 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 you know, and they were doing it, right? This is a public thing. They're laying down at the apostles' feet. Well, who is watching it? Everybody else is watching it. Oh, they're laying down. Look at oh, all the glory they're getting. Oh, you, oh, you're such servants of God. Look at you, blessing the church of God. You're so wonderful, right? Well, we want that glory, right? We want to have some glory too. Uh, Peter, we, we sold it for, for 50 cents. Here you go. And, and, and the spirit of God's like, no. Nah. <laughs> Lie. Why are you lying? Peter said, look, it was yours to do what you wanted to. Hmm. You know, you could have sold her 50 and said, said, hey, I sold them 50, here's 25. I mean, he could have done that. Would the Lord have cared? No. Was was he concerned about the amount? He wasn't concerned about the amount. He was concerned about the lying. Hmm. You Hmm. lied, right? Publicly, you lied. Now, what's going on in the church? Spectacular miracles going on, right? Just, I mean, this is chapter 5. Just chapter 4, the whole building was shaking because of their prayers, that's the level of the spirit of God at that church, right? Everybody wants the Holy Ghost till He shows up. Oh, we love the power of God, and then they lie to 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 God. He said, you didn't lie to man; you lied to God. And, and so, did he do it publicly? Yeah. Did he think he'd get away with it? Yeah. Did he get away with it? No. Uh, and, and what happened? It says, and I was hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon them that heard them. And the same thing that later on happened to his wife, too. She came in. Oh, yeah, look, we're, we're so wonderful. You know, you know, did Peter kill him? No, they were judged of the Lord. Why were they judged of the Lord? Again, the, the precedent that we see that if your sin is public and it harms other people, then oftentimes, not always, right? But it, it, the, the precedent seems to be the Lord's more likely to judge you in that. And what will he do? He'll take his hand off you. And if he takes his hand off you, you, see, there's no mercy. The devil will come in and destroy your life, right? When he takes his hand off you in judgment like that, that, that's, you know, your life will come to an end quickly. And that's what happened. The spirit of death, right? It was not from God, but uh, they were judged of God. Now, how many people were in the church of, at, uh, at Jerusalem at this time, point in time? There's like 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people in the church of Jerusalem at this time. How many people died on the judgment of the Lord? Two people, right? So what percentage of that? Pretty low percentage, right? Oh, man, that's sweet. I'm going to roll the dice. Now, that's not the that's not the point of, of rolling that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to run the odds. And see, people do that all the time. So, not much chance, yeah. I'm going to do it, then I'm going to lie. That's not that's not what you should get out of this message, right? Uh, what you should get out of this message is you want to roll the dice. Don't live that way, right? Well, what's the point of lying? Uh, it's like it's like same thing as you know people cheat at board games sometimes, and they win. It's like okay, how is it? Why is that a good thing? I mean, you cheated and you won. Uh, but is there any glory in that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I I'll, I'll beat them. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me, right? Why I cheat? Uh, of course, that's the way I think, though. So, so if you go through the Word of God, you know, there was a, a case in First Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, Paul talked about some other people uh, in, in other verses there. The, the, the number of times that the Lord judges people, and when I say judge people, I mean judge them that, that they now their time on the earth has come to an end. They have to leave the earth. Now, I believe with all my heart Ananias and is in heaven right now. Because they didn't say they died spiritually. They just died of sin, right? They died because they committed a sin. Not to sit under the spiritual death. They just committed a sin that, that would cause other people, well, if they lied, then I'm going to lie. And now you've got a whole bunch of liars in the church. And, and, and lying is what, you make, is what makes you look the most like the devil. Because the Bible says that he's the father of lies. And so this was a, a big public infraction against the Spirit of God basically tempting God. I'm going to get away with this and God's not going to do anything about it. You want to roll the dice? You may, you may get away with it. Now, I mean, but you'll never get away with it for, forever, but you may get away with it in this temporary life that you live. But see, Ananias and Sapphira rolled the dice and they lost the, the bet, right? Now, probably the majority of people could roll the dice and get away with it in this natural life. All, all, all things you do will be judged, right? And we talked about that at the end of time. Every single thing you do in this body will be judged of the Lord, right? He, he will stand before him and the throne of judgment, and, he, and that not for eternal destiny, but just for the rewards. Uh, and he will say, did you do that? Yeah, okay, well, then that, that you've lost that reward that you would have gotten if you hadn't done that, right? Because we get all the blessings of the Lord in the earth today, but we also get rewards when we get to heaven. So by you waiting see, see I, in one sense I'd rather be judged on the earth because then I won't miss that reward in heaven right uh, uh, of course I don't know what, he, what reward you get for lying anyway but so, so the, the point that we want to get to here is that uh, there is judgment of the Lord and, uh, and if your sin of course uh, uh, the judgment of the Lord is really kind of the judgment of last resort between that judgment and, and your life if you commit in sin you may never get to that point of judgment in this natural life. Uh, but you don't want to see how far you can go. Because every time you take a step into sin, your, your access to the blessings and the inheritance of heaven is constrained. Uh, you're still on your way to heaven. right? There, there's nothing in the Word of God that says when you commit a sin that you have lost your salvation, that you're on your way to hell, if you died right then. It just tells us that, that your ability to access the inheritance that was paid for you by the Lord Jesus is constrained and that may be the way that you live all your life and many christians live that way all their life where they they never see the inheritance of god that's belonged to them when they get to heaven they'll see the big pile over in the corner well lord what's that that's all your stuff well lord how come i didn't have that on the earth i wanted to give it to you i was unable to because of your actions Uh, well what is that right there that's healing you remember that that disease you had all your life yeah that right there that that was yours right there healing for that disease Uh, i wanted to give that to you like six different times And every time I I, I was about to send it down there, but you'd kick the dog, you know, you'd eat the cat, you know, you'd do whatever. Uh, And and I I wanted to, but I I was unable to because of your actions. If you could understand that that's how this works, it's not God punishing you. It's you taking yourself out of the inheritance of heaven. His will has never changed. I do not frustrate the grace of God. His will never changes. His ability to bless you is constrained by your actions. And so, so that should tell you, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do better because if I do better, I have access to more. Now now that's, that, that's the, that's the, that's what we should get out of, out of this whole message. And there's, I've got so many pages of notes that we didn't even cover about chastisement, about, uh, about the curse of the law. Uh, But I think we need to come to an end uh, of a message here and and, uh, we can always pick up some of those other things at another time. But, you know, I, I just sense it's time to move on. Amen. Because I wanted to give the whole picture from, from the moment of salvation uh, until all the days of your life. Uh, but I wanted to end it by showing that there are examples where judgment does occur. Amen. And people fall dead because of judgment. Uh, and it really depends on, on, on how their sin is impacting other people typically. If the sin's only impacting you, you may never see any judgment of the Lord, you, may not, you won't see any blessings of heaven either but you, won't, you may never see a single judgment and you think, I got away with it. Well, you didn't get away with nothing, right? Nobody ever gets away with anything, amen? All your sins are gonna be dealt with, either on this earth, which is ideal, or when you stand before the Lord Jesus, which would be uncomfortable, amen? Uh, and so I wanna make it where, when I get to heaven, the, uh, the Lord's uh, like, oh yeah, we've already taken care of that? Yeah, okay, well, let's move on. I wanna move on quickly from all those things, amen? I don't want him to linger, Uh, because, you know, uh, you say, well, Lord, I don't want to talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it, right? And you may talk about it for a thousand years. I don't know. know, He's not in any hurry. Amen. Uh, And does that make sense? All right. Praise God. Well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for all your blessings, Father. We thank you, Lord, that your desire is to give us great and incredible blessings, Father, more than we can ever uh, ask or think or desire even, Father. You said you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And, Father, that's a promise. If it's a promise, it belongs to me because of the work that you did. And so, Father, I thank you that I can live in your promises. And, Father, I ask you, and just I encourage you as, as I pray this prayer, pray this prayer along with me. Father, I ask you to show me if there's any area of my life that, that I've caused you to be constrained in your ability to bless me. If there, Father, show me if there's any area that you're frustrated in my life to bless me, Father. Uh, and, Lord, if you show that to me, even if I have been unwilling to hear in times past. I'm asking you to show that to me today. And Father, if you show that to me, show me where there's things in my life that I have not repented of, that it's causing a hindrance to the blessings of heaven to come into my life, then Father, I will be quick to repent. I will acknowledge my sin, Father. I will confess that sin to you, Father. And Lord, I I know that as I I confess that sin unto you, yet you will be faithful and just to forgive me all, all my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and get me back into a position where, where I'm in the position to receive everything from heaven all the days of my life. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that you're good and kind and merciful to all of us, Father. And Lord, we give you praise for these things. And Lord, according to your word, you said that all the promises of God are in him. Yes, in him. Amen. Unto the glory of God by me. Father, I bring glory to you when I receive the promises of heaven. And so, Father, I will glorify you in my life. You will get great glory by my, by my life because I live in the promises of heaven. I thank you for that, Father. I give you praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.